This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. That was one of the things I was thinking about, like Alexander came and said that he would like to publish the book on Instagram and he would like to publish it on Instagram at the same time as he gave up the physical book. And my first thought was that, uh, okay, how are you going to sell books? I'm Talib Vizram, and this is World Changing Ideas, where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues. On today's episode, literature in the digital age. Now that we're well into summer, I hope you've been able to check off the books on your summer reading lists. I've been spending my beach time delving into Robin, which is an extensive biography of the late, great Robin Williams. And while reading may not be our most popular pastime, Americans still spend more than half their spare time watching TV, research shows there was an uptick in reading last year because of the pandemic. Even by Gen Z, the most digitally oriented people, who always seem to have their noses stuck in their phones. We're not just sitting on our phone ignoring the world around us. We're sitting on the phone interacting with hundreds of people. We're the first generation that's really grown up with the tools that make us able to connect with anybody across the world with the click of a button. Nick Jane is one of the founders of Juve Consulting, a Gen Z digital marketing agency that helps Fortune 500 companies and startups reach out to Gen Z, which is now the largest percentage of the population. Young people have always been standing up for things, always been disrupting the status quo, always been rewriting trends. But what's unique about our generation is that the tools that we have access to allow for these disruptions to become mainstream. Juve co-founder and CEO Ziad Ahmed stressed how his generation represents over $140 billion in buying power. But the influence this generation has is not only economic. It also extends to social activities like reading, for example. Just ask Ice Planet Barbarians author Ruby Dixon. Her series on hunky blue aliens topped the sci-fi charts and flooded Amazon's bestseller lists after one TikTok user made a three-minute video praising the books. Just a heads up, there is some graphic language. Miss Ruby Dixon has created, I would say, one of the only fantasy worlds, sci-fi worlds, that I would seriously consider moving to. Um, all these women got abducted from Earth by these little green men and their ship crash landed and they get rescued by these seven foot tall big blue alien men with massive dicks with enhancement features, okay? Fucking throw Akatar away, okay? Ruby Dixon's already been there, done that. She did it better. She did it better, I'll die on that hill. That's 22 year old Emma Carter. She's now part of BookTok, the network of book lovers on TikTok who can catapult books like Ice Planet Barbarians from relative obscurity to overnight fame with a single viral video. But would Gen Z read an actual book on social media? My guest today wondered the same thing before launching one of the first novels on Instagram. Alexander Keeland Krag is an award-winning author from Norway. His novel, This Stays Between Us, won our World Changing Ideas Award this year in the media and entertainment category. Joining him to talk about the project is Tom Christian Gottschalksen, executive vice president of Gildendal, the publishing company that launched the Instabook, which might be the first long-form story natively written for Instagram stories. Well, Tom and Alex, thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you. Thank you. So would you mind kind of telling us a little bit about Gildendal and why Gildendal decided to go this very novel route? Sure. Uh, Yildendal is um, a publisher, a book publisher, a fairly traditional one. Been around for uh, more than 100 years now. Been uh, giving out books for many, many years. We're quite successful. And we have been kind of publishing in in the Norwegian market all this time. But uh, we have also kind of looked at the statistics and we see that fewer and fewer younger people prefer books as a way of entertaining themselves. And of course, we are all about books. Uh, so this has been a little bit of a kind of a concern to us. Uh, over the last years, we have tried to kind of uh, think about how can we avoid that less book reading becomes sort of a problem in terms of reaching the audiences that should read our stories. So I think that was sort of the starting point from a Yildenau point of view, that we have been very interested in kind of new ways of reaching the audiences that traditionally were available to us through books. And I think like in Norway, we've seen now for the last years that less than 20% of the generation set actually mention books as a way to entertain themselves. And then with a fantastic writer and author as Alexander, who writes really, really great books for especially young adults and stories that are important that we as sort of a publisher really feel should be read by many people, we needed to think untraditionally on how we could kind of reach these audiences so that the story gets to be told and gets to be discovered and gets to be read. And therefore, we were very kind of looking for new channels and new ways of doing it. If I'm an Instagram user, how am I accessing the book? Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about how the concept works? Uh, when we started out, we just kind of opened an account on Instagram. You know, this was an experiment from our side as well. We didn't know that Instagram would work to kind of publish a book or a story. Uh, but we knew that all of the audience that we wanted to reach were at Instagram. And then, uh, of course, we didn't have any agreement with Instagram or Facebook and uh, probably they won't take our call if we just kind of call from Norway <laughs> and ask for kind of how can we publish a book on Instagram. So we <laughs> thought of this very much in an MVP point of view where we thought, okay, what can we do with the tools available to us as a regular creator? So we looked into Instagram stories. So, okay, we can do quite a few things here. We can publish text, we can publish pictures, we can publish audio, uh, we can publish it in a serialized manner and everything. So we just used sort of the standard functionality that was available to Instagram. Uh, so in terms of how we then did the production, we used whatever was available to us and tried to do the best out of it. The odd thing about that is that when you then go to DBMO, which is the Norwegian account for these days between us, mm -hmm. uh, you get sort of the chapters in the reverse order. <laughs> so the way it works is that the recent one is what's available first to you. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. We needed to try train the reader to sort of, okay, you, you now get in on post 12, but you should really start from one <laughs> in <laughs> right, order right. to kind of get it in the, in the right order. But that's sort of, that's some of the things that you need to experience uh, when you do an MVP. So it's like starting from the back of the book. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. in the middle or wherever you were so in, during these 45 days. We looked at the story, we worked with a few companies, partners, in order to sort of create kind of a, a visual environment and an audio environment around the story, supporting the text. We produced over three weeks time type of thing. Yeah, over the course of three weeks after the manuscript was, was completely done, we had everything that was going to go out on Instagram. Yeah. So it was a quite quick process. And we created kind of a large library of images and things that could support the story. 
and then we started publishing. And Alexander, you know, how did you get your start in in writing, and what was the inspiration for this specific story? Well, I mean, I come from a family that has a history of of writers, so I feel like that kind of helped me into having that thought that it would even be possible to be a published writer. And I've written stories uh, all my life. When I was uh, 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that, I wanted to write crime novel for adults. Hmm. And I was going to do it uh, in the course of a summer break. And I tried to do this. And uh, my entire family, instead of going the completely rational route and being like, this will not happen. You're too young. This is not going to work. My dad took me around the city and uh, tried to scout out places where the murder might have occurred and where you could have dumped the body and stuff like that. And my (laughs) grandmother was in the hospital and we went to visit her and she was like, have you killed off your main character yet? And uh, (laughs) So really giving you tips, giving you murder tips. Essentially, (laughs) ghostwriting at at a young age. Uh, No, but I, I really was encouraged to follow a creative path and I always wanted to write books. And when I got the idea for This Days Between Us, uh, it kind of all aligned at once. It's a gay falling in love story. So you have this very universal feeling of being head over heels in love with someone. And when you're a teenager, it feels like everything else in your life kind of fades into the background. And the only thing that really matters is uh, this uh, relation you have with this other person. But when you also have the theme of sexuality, you also experience a lot of shame and doubt and stuff like that. And Felix, the main character of this story, he is confronted with really grown up questions like, uh, how can I be myself Mm. when no one really knows Mm. who I am? Uh, How can I live my truth Mm. when I'm not truthful in my life? How can I try to let my feelings show to this person that I'm in love with? without outing myself in the process. And those questions are really adding on to the existing pressure that everyone faces when being in love. That kind of triggered why I wanted to write the story. So who's exactly your target audience and why was it important to tell this particular story to that audience, you know, versus a crime novel or a a sci-fi novel or whatever it be? This is a young adult novel. The main character is 17 years old and he experiences things that you basically only experience when you're this age. So you uh, get that first real feeling of being in love where it feels like there's a lot on the line. And you also have this coming of age story where you have a character already knowing that I'm gay and I will need to come out to live my truth. But before he gets to actually do that and gets to come out, then he has to overcome a lot of hurdles Mm. all on his own. And of course, even though this is something that I think people of many different ages might might experience, uh, I thought it was really important that we share this story for uh, the young adult audience to kind of show them that, okay, the feelings of being in love is really universal regarding sexuality. But also look here, this is why it's important that we having inclusivity and that we that we still need to kind of support each other and support people coming out and that we have to have this kind of uh, discourse where it's safe for people to come out with their sexuality and i think it was important that we reached that particular audience because it's a you're at an age where you're kind of impressionable and i feel like if the, we if we told this story only to adults then this might have been more of like, okay, we already know this. So I think we had the opportunity to kind of show the target audience why this mattered. 
these types of stories are important. And uh, with sort of the statistics and younger people reading less books, they're left with kind of the more flattened entertainment offers that are from, from kind of the video streaming services or the really, really polarized, which is the social media content, which is really kind of very, very polarized. And we see kind of a role for ourselves in the middle where we can kind of fill some of that hole with a lot of stories being more niche, telling stories from different types of environment than what you would regularly consume through a TV. You know, you, you mentioned social media, but essentially what you're doing is you're keeping teens on on social media, right? Um, you're not kind of drawing them to physical novels. It, it, was that a worry initially? Uh, so initially it was. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think when I heard about the idea the first time, I think uh, that was one of the things I was thinking about. Like Alexander came and said that he would like to publish the book on Instagram and uh, he would like to publish it on Instagram at the same time as he gave up the physical book. And my first thought was that, uh, okay, how are you going to sell books if it's freely available <laughs> on Instagram? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think this is uh, one of the interesting things about experimenting with it, because I think what we have learned is that we have actually sold more books after uh, publishing this on Instagram than what we expected. And on average, we have sold more books than what the book in this category would do. Someone who is visiting us on Instagram expects something different from the same person visiting us on Snapchat, because mm. there are different environments. Uh, so that led us to try to kind of think natively about how we publish the story or, or how we tell the story, I think is more important. And that also, also led you, Alexander, to not being finished with writing the book uh, <laughs> back in May last year, but you have sort of been working with us uh, every week. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> since. So there is an unfulfilled demand that we are now reaching through the social media platforms. And there are also different ways of telling the story that sort of attract different types of people. Uh, also that we see cross-fertilization between the platforms. People who have discovered us on Instagram may buy the book or buy the book as a gift to someone because they love the story. In everything we're doing now, based on that learning, we try to be as native to the platform as possible and then yeah. uh, rather be active on multiple platforms. When I commented the social media, it's more like what type of content you consume if you sort of take all your entertainment from social media platforms. Mm. We actually have a responsibility <laughs> to to bring our content to those platforms because this is great content. It can bring experiences to people. It can change people's perception. It's so much good coming from that content. It shouldn't be stowed away in a bookshelf. This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. What is the reading experience on Instagram versus, say, the reading experience on Snapchat? You know, how does it differ? And, and for Alexander, you know, did you find the writing process was a lot different for both of them? Well, going into the Instagram version of the book happened very much back to back while writing the manuscript for the, for the physical book. So it wasn't that different. But then you had images and sound and video to go along with it on Instagram. But when we did it for Snapchat, we basically took all that we had learned from, from the Instagram project and we tried to make it more Snapchat friendly. So on my end, it meant cutting away some text, kind of boiling down the main storyline and streamlining it a bit. You know, when you write a book, you are very much on your own in, in a room. 
Uh, and that was what happened with, with the physical book. But when we did the Snapchat version, we were seven or eight people once a week on, on Zoom, uh, going through the manuscript, what needs to be there, what doesn't. So it was very much a collaborative effort. I I couldn't play God anymore. I had to no, be, like a, yeah. <laughs> uh, be like a team player, which is uh, difficult for an author. But um, sure. it did change the nature of, of, of writing the book in some way. But you still very much had... Uh, like Tom Christian said, the main goal is to tell a story. Like that's the main thing. So you have the physical book that's like the epicenter of, of the story where you have everything. And then you tried to go to Snapchat with the essentials. So it was a really interesting experience to kind mm. of do that whole collaboration with, with the rest of the team and try to find out how do we make this as Snapchat friendly as possible. Yeah, I think one of the things that we discussed a lot was that uh, uh, on Snapchat, there is all about video and audio. It's not that much uh, space for text. Uh, I think what we discovered during the journey was that uh, as long as you passed kind of the five, six, seven, eight first snaps and you continued into the story, you were actually receptive to text. So I think one of the things we learned was that text actually worked better on Snapchat than what we believed from the start on. We could see on the Snapchat analytics people taking screenshots of different parts of the books. Huh. Which is a really interesting signal. Why are people kind of interested in exactly that page? Right. We started to look at it and we sort of discovered that there was parts of the story that Alexander has written is almost poetic. We gathered together a set of excerpts uh, from the book that sort of had that nature. Um, we looked at it that we sort of could we tell the story through like 10 excerpts. That was our goal from, from the original story. So we collected kind of 10 excerpts. And then we brought in a partner, Universal Music, uh, had a few art artists that were really a fan of your book. <laughs> they had read it and they loved the story. We then paired the excerpts with music from Emily Hollow. And then we put together a production where Emily reads uh, the excerpts and then sing a song and read the an excerpts and then sing a song. And we gave that out as an album on all the music streaming services. So on Spotify, you will find that stays between us as an album, which sort of combines excerpts from the book with Emily Hollow's music into one experience, telling the story essentially with 10 super condensed excerpts. I guess another advantage of having the story online is that you get to keep track of analytics pretty closely, right? So what's the engagement been like? I work my fair share with social media and, uh, and digital platforms over the years, and I've never seen anything like it. It's like when you get young people to spend uh, 45 consecutive days with your, <laughs> with your content uh, and spend around five minutes per episode on average, and 75% of the followers are reading every page in the story over a period of 45 days. I think that's a super strong signal. Mm. So from being sort of a fun project, something that we invested into because we wanted to learn, it suddenly showed me kind of the potential of this. So, so the engagement has been fantastic. I think one of the challenges you get when you want to kind of scale that is so then, okay, how are you going to uh, drive the reach so that you sort of you, you maintain the engagement, but get more users to discover the story and read the story. And then suddenly it becomes kind of uh, very difficult because then you, you have the choice of start to market your story, <laughs> which can be quite expensive and without, without sort of a revenue model from these digital channels uh, only cost <laughs> versus what are the other ways of kind of driving 
reach uh, and therefore organic reach would be sort of your primary concern. And I think that's when uh, the Snapchat partnership started. And we have uh, had fantastic reach. I think like uh, the last episodes, we had uh, 100,000 users, which is in Norway is quite a lot. Wow. So that I think we have learned that sort of the engagement is fantastic. People really want to read the story. Then we have learned that there are ways to kind of drive reach without sort of going the marketing route. And there are ways to start earning money. Well, so what's next? Because I think last time I spoke to you, um, Alexander was was working on a new story, I think, or, or you were planning to launch a new story. Is that still in the works? Yeah, so I am launching my second novel uh, this uh, August. In English, it's called something like Afraid That's All. It's a story about mental health, about a young boy who experiences anxiety for the first time and what that actually looks like in the day to day. Like, how does your life change when you have sort of when you had the wind in your back your entire life mm. and you suddenly experience something completely different and something that sort of sets you a bit back? In Norway, we have we have a statistic that in mm. 2018, 70% of suicides were male. So we have a public discourse where you still very much have uh, the notion that being a man equals being strong and not talking about feelings and all those sort of things. And uh, I wanted to write a story that kind of confronts this head on. And when we have a young audience that kind of are born into this sort of public discourse that we don't really talk about feelings. And in Norway, we are very much in our own heads and we don't really mm. communicate on a, on a personal level that much. I think it's important to, to change that in some way and try to bring that conversation to people that might need it. And that might be 17-year-old boys, but it also might be 45-year-old men or 45-year-old women. You know, reading is very much a, a solitary activity, but when you take it into the social media realm or make it more uh, sociable. So you uh, do this with your friends and you experience the story with your friends. And when you do that, it's easier to engage in those uh, harder, tougher conversations, I think. Are you looking to commission new authors as well? And, and what about taking older classic novels and, and kind of translating them into your concept? Is that possible? Uh, I think everything is possible. I think the way we work now is that we have been working through several different experiments. Uh, I think the engagement we have solved. I think what we're looking for is to kind of find the best ways to generate reach and also a monetization that works out and thereafter kind of an efficient way to produce all of these stories and figuring out what's important for the different platforms. Then the belief that we have and the target for all of these investments is to make sort of a, a digital publishing arm and, and in this process, we discovered that the way that we as a publisher have been working, which is very much kind of waterfall. The author writes his story, then he works with the editor, then, then we work with sort of uh, the marketing department, and then we release it into the market and start over again. Mm. But that, that way doesn't really work for sort of the digital platforms. But we very much welcome writers that has ideas and also visual storytellers. And then, of course, partners like platforms and brands that want to be part of taking the stories to market, because I think that's probably the biggest hurdle is to kind of reach people. And finally, I know that you touched on this a little bit earlier, but you mentioned it's really important for a country such as Norway, which is perhaps a smaller market, 
to use a tool like this. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, we have a lot of talented authors uh, in Norway. Uh, of course, this has been a very kind of, uh, from the government side, a very important way of crafting the nation Norway. I think uh, the way Yildenol came about was that the rights for Norwegian authors, we have then been under Danish rule, uh, was sort of then acquired back to the country and became part of the nation building. So culture and, and literature as part of culture has always been important to sort of how you develop Norway and the society. But also when looking at authors as Alexander and the other 2,000 authors we work with, only a share of their revenue is coming or their salaries are coming from books. And the lack of growth in the book category becomes sort of a ceiling in, in how much time you can spend on writing books. And if we cannot sell more books, then we need to kind of find new business model that can support that activity. It's very important for us to explore whether or not we can take these stories, which are quite universal. Uh, how can we find ways to kind of take them directly to an international market? Great. Well, it's been awesome to catch up with you both again. Uh, and it sounds like there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Very nice talking to you again. It's a really intriguing concept. And I would encourage anyone who's able to go onto Instagram and, and, and check it out because it's, it's when you actually see it that, you know, it's quite fascinating the way a novel is being translated. Another cool thing is there's kind of a choose your own adventure element where users can DM through Instagram and possibly slightly change kind of the trajectory or the ending of a story. My main question was about monetization through this model, but it sounds like through the new partnerships, the, the universal partnerships, Snapchat, and you know the, the fact that they are selling a lot of physical copies based on the initial Instagram story. So they're really revolutionizing things. That's it for our show today. Join us next time to learn more about the innovative leaders seeking to make a difference in our ever-changing world. Please give us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Talib Vizram. Our show is produced and edited by Avery Miles. <laughs>